Hey, my name is Jay Warner Wallace, and I'm the author of Cold Case Christianity. I, I gotta tell you, if you're listening to this radio, you know that you're in a good place, and I cannot endorse more highly the intellect and the passion of your host. So just enjoy this radio program. Is he a real one? Radio is the real thing. And Veda, thank you so much for doing the most important work of the kingdom. Hello out there, this is Bobby Conway. You're listening to Is He a Real One Radio? And I'm now passing the baton off to my man, Veda. Hey everybody, this is Veda. Um, I was having some technical difficulties, so as it's uploading right now, you know, hopefully you can hear me clear. But this is Veda on this week's episode of Is He a Real One Radio? Um, on this week, we're actually going to be covering some stuff that I think is really foundational. We're going to be covering some stuff uh, that's really foundational in terms of the historical reliability of the New Testament. All right, so that's what we're talking about this week, the historical reliability of the New Testament. And let me explain to you a little bit why that's actually important. The reason why that's important is because, is because you know, people often make claims of, you know, they say that scripture has changed over time. They say, well, you know, we don't know who really wrote it. Um, they say that, uh, what are some objections that I hear? You know, you know, the Council of Nicaea got together at 325 AD and, you know, basically just conspired, you know, and created this religion. Or they say that we don't really know what it said in the original language. And King James, when he came out with his translation in 16 something, you know, he created his own religion. And, you know, and then the white man, you know, uh, you know, kind of changed it to kind of manipulate slaves and things like that. And, and we'll have a video that's particularly geared towards the whole theory of the white man's religion. First of all, the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight debunks that, even though that's not the primary focus, but excuse me. Excuse me. You know, the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight um, debunks that because it's because it's going to be clear in the historicity of Christianity that it took place thousands and thousands of years before the transatlantic slave trade. But we can have a show, we will have a show geared specifically on that topic. But as of right now, we're just talking about the historical reliability of the New Testament in general. All right. So I already listed a few reasons as to why that's important, because it kind of just nips some common objections in the bud immediately, you know, like it nips it in the bud immediately, you know, because people tend to say things and it's easy to say it, you know, when we aren't educated, it's easy to say things like that, you know, when we aren't educated, but it's like, once we actually are familiar with the things that the Lord has um, allowed us to have, you know, to have us understand logically how real he is, you know, we can just you know, we don't have to be scared of those type of conversations. So again, this may not take too long. I'll, I'll try not to be, I'll try to keep it short, but I don't want to run over, uh, run, run across any information as if it's not important. So let's just start off with the basics as far as the Bible is concerned. All right. What exactly is the Bible? And by the way, before we get into some of this stuff, I also want to note that, you know, when Christian scholars or not even just Christian scholars, uh, any person who's a scholar in New Testament, Old Testament, um, or any field that's related, you know, they don't just dismiss the Gospels and the books in the Bible. Whether they're a person who believes or doesn't believe, they don't dismiss them as historical documents. What I'm saying is, 
you know, oftentimes, you know, I may have a, a conversation, you know, with a person who isn't a believer and they'll argue, well, you know, you need to, you, you need to show me some stuff that's not in the Bible if you're going to argue that the Bible is true. First of all, there is a lot of stuff that's not in the Bible that can demonstrate that, that can support that um, what's in the Bible is actually true. But just because we can doesn't mean we're going to um, just dismiss the Bible as a, as a historical piece of work. It is a groundbreaking historical piece of work that really can't be compared to anything. And we're gonna talk about why, all right? So what exactly is the Bible? Just in the simplest forms, what, what is the Bible? The Bible is not one book, y'all. It is a book of books, okay? It is a book of 66, 66 different books, all right? 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. That's what it is. That's what it, that's one of, that's an undisputed fact. That's like saying Vader's um, wearing a shirt right now that's red with a logo on it. You know, that's a fact. That doesn't mean it's a good logo. That doesn't mean um, that the shirt is my size. Maybe it could be bigger. Maybe it could be smaller. But a minimum fact is that I'm wearing a shirt with a logo on it. One of the minimum facts about the Bible is that it's 66 books in it. Okay, 66 different books, 39 of those books are in the Old Testament, 27 of those books are in the New Testament. Now, in talking about the historical reliability of the Bible, let's talk about when Jesus died. Jesus died around 30 to 33 AD, something like that, okay? Every book in the Bible is written, uh, well, the New Testament. We're going to talk about the New Testament. This is the historical reliability of the New Testament. I'm sorry if I misspoke, all right? So every book in the New Testament was written within 67 years of Jesus's death. It actually was written sooner, but I, but I say 67 years of his death just to use the most liberal dating that I can find, okay? The most liberal dating that I can find. And what I mean by liberal dating, I mean people who will be really skeptical when they date it, all right? So like books like the Gospel of John or the Book of Revelation tends to get really late dates in like, you know, liberal scholars and whatnot, but even that's like 95, you know, 99 AD. That's the latest I've ever saw. And that is not the popular opinion within scholars, but the latest I was able to find was like 95 to 99 AD, as far as when, when it was originally authored. I'm not arguing that what's in it is true yet, okay? I'm simply talking about the historical reliability of it, all right? So Jesus died 3033 AD. When you find the most liberal dating from a scholar, it's gonna be within 67 years of Jesus's death, right? Now, now is that impressive? I don't know. Let, let's talk about some other people who you, uh, you know, who you may have heard of historically. <clears throat> Now, when I get better at this, I'm going to be able to show this information on the screen as I talk, because I'm going to say some information, and I really think that it'll be a really helpful if I could just show it on the screen, but um, I, haven't, I haven't mastered that yet with this program, and my computer doesn't have a whole lot of space and stuff. But anyway, let me, let me focus on this stuff so I'm not keeping y'all too long for no reason. All right, so let's talk about a historical figure like Alexander the Great. I love to use him. The reason why I love to use him as an example when I have these kind of talks is because I remember learning about him in elementary school. My daughter um, is in junior high school right now. She's learned about him. She's had to write a paper on him before. 
So I love to use Alexander the Great as an example. Now, Alexander the Great, the major works were written around 300 years after his death. He died around 323 BC, something like that. Okay, the major works were written around 300 years after his death. The biographies that many people use are written 400 to 450 years after his death. All right, and you can look that up. One is Arian, and he wrote the Anabis of Alexander, and the other is Plutarch. He wrote the life of Alexander. Okay, now these come 400 to 450 years after his death. Remember what I just said about Jesus, y'all? He died 3033 AD, and we have 27 books, 27 of them in the New Testament that are affirming his life, his death, and the things that he taught. 27. And they're all written within 67 years of his death. And that's not even using popular, um, that's not even using popular dating. That's using the most liberal dating that you can find. In my opinion, just that fact alone, we should be like, yo, man. Oh, if there's anyone who's, who is a Jesus mythicist, you know, please listen to the, to the things that are stated in this video because <clears throat> no one who is familiar, um, no one who is a scholar in this area ever argues that Jesus never existed. Even the atheists who don't, you know, people who don't believe, whether they're atheists or they have some other religious practice, people who are scholars or well-learned in this area, they never argue that Jesus is not a historical person. This is one of the reasons why, all right? Because I just talked about Alexander the Great. Biographies are written 400 to 450 years after his death, you know, and Jesus has four bio. He has 27 different books in total in the New Testament that are affirming, you know, his life and the things that he taught and whatnot. And four bios, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. You, we can call the Gospels bios in this sense. So... <clears throat> So um, we already talked about um, Alexander the Great. Let's see here. Uh, let's talk about Emperor Tiberius. He was around around the time, you know, Jesus was alive, all right? The first source for Emperor Tiberius comes 80 plus years. It comes over 80 years after his death. He died around AD 37, okay? He died around AD 37. And the first source that we have that still survives to this day that we know of is Tacitus. You know, he wrote the Annals. He dedicates, if I'm not mistaken, the first six books, you know, to the reign of Tiberius. So, so that's pretty good stuff historically. And you don't hear anyone doubting the existence of Alexander the Great. You don't hear anyone doubting the existence of Emperor Tiberius. You don't hear anyone doubting that Tiberius was actually an emperor. So the fact that Jesus reigned so well historically, we shouldn't be doubting that he did the miracles that he did, that he said the things that he said, that he rose from the dead. But the thing is, Jesus is claiming the claims about Jesus are so much more miraculous than any other person. So people tend to doubt it. But when you just look at it historically compared to other things historically, you know, there's no reason for us to doubt it. So again, Emperor Tiberius, he died around AD 37. <clears throat> uh, and we have Tacitus and we also have Suetonius who wrote, who wrote about him. This comes 80, over 80 years after his death, y'all. And remember, Jesus, these are, and these are only two. These are only two. It comes 80. It comes over 80 years after his death. And it's only two that we have for Emperor Tiberius. For Jesus, we have four bios that's talking about his birth, his life, 
you know, the passion story. Well, Mark doesn't have a passion story, but, <clears throat> you know, but it does talk about everything about Jesus, essentially. You know, um, I wish I didn't say everything. Y'all get what I'm trying to say. Don't, you know, don't try to, <laughs> you know, take stuff and, you know, and, and run with it. I, li I don't mean literally everything, but it's talking about Jesus's life. We have four bios, four, Emperor Tiberius, we have four bios that comes within 67 years of his life, and it's really much sooner than that, but I'm intentionally using the most liberal dating that we can possibly find. You know, they really were written uh, within 30 years of his death, 30, 35 years of his death, that all four of the bios. But if you use the most liberal dating, the most skeptical dating by scholars, it's still within 67 years of his death. Comparing that to Emperor Tiberius, where it's only two, not four, and it's over 80 years after his death with um, Alexander the Great, <clears throat> we are waiting 400, 450 years after his death. That's a really long time. Excuse me, y'all. Wow. Man, I should have got me some water or something. I apologize for all of the, um, <clears throat> all of the clearing of the throats and everything. But anyway, so th those are two people that I like to use. Um, so again, we have 27 different books that affirm that that affirmed Jesus as we know him today. And again, the most liberal dating that we'll see for the New Testament is 95 to 99 AD. All right. Now, now Jesus is in great stand, great standing historically. Now let's talk about the dating of the actual gospels, because these are the bios of Jesus. Matthew was written around the 60s, 60s to the 80s. The liberal dating is going to say the 80s to 100, right? But most scholars date the Gospel of Matthew um, around the 60s, but let's say 60s to 80s. <clears throat> the Gospel of Mark, which is the earliest gospel, most scholars agree, this gospel was probably written first. This was written from the 50s to the 60s, okay? 80, 50s to 80, 60s is when this was probably written. Gospel of Matthew was written 80, 60 to 80, 80. And liberal dating will have that 80 to 100. Now, the liberal dating for Mark's gospel is around 80, 70, right? Now, I, that is not the popular opinion. I, again, I am just stating what scholars say, the most liberal scholars that I could find, right? Now, again, when you see people on the internet who say other things, keep in mind that I'm saying the most liberal scholars are saying that the gospel of Mark was written around 80, 70, okay? So when you see things on the internet, <clears throat> they say things that the most liberal scholar wouldn't even say, right? So we have the Gospel of Luke. Let's, let me, let's go to these dates. All right, so let me start over. The Gospel of Matthew, 8060s to 8 to 8080. The liberal dating is going to have it to 80 to 100. Gospel of Mark, we have it from 8050s to 8060s. Liberal dating is going to have that in the 8070s. The Gospel of Luke, we have 8060 to 8080. Also, the liberal dating has that from 70 to 100. Gospel of John is dated around the 60s all the way to the 100s, depending on the scholar that you talk to. Liberal dating is going to have that um, 80, 90 to 80, 100. Now, now again, we're talking scholars right here. You can look this up and verify everything that I am saying. But as you see, if you even use the most liberal dating, 
Jesus, Jesus is a marvelous, marvelous story, story as far as how, uh, as far as how many things we have written about and about and how early it was actually written. And not only do we have the four bios in the four gospels, but we have 23 other books that affirm Jesus as we know him today. That is fantastic. We don't have that much stuff on Alexander the Great. We don't have that much stuff on Socrates. We don't have that much stuff on Tiberius. We don't have that much stuff on all of these people, right? So. If you ever take a philosophy class or if you ever read up on, you know, Plato or Socrates and it's like, okay, well, <clears throat> okay, well, uh, Socrates was in a, you know, he was in a courtroom. If you talk about Plato's apology, he was in a courtroom and he was defending his rights and he was, you know, he got sentenced to death. I don't hear anyone doubting that that actually historically happened, you know, but we hear, but we doubt, we hear, we hear doubts about what actually occurred in the Bible. But it's because it's so miraculous. It's not just because of some historical dispute that people want to make. Because if you're going to doubt, if we are going to doubt what's in the Bible, we need to doubt everything because nothing is better attested. Let's go, um, let's go into why a little more, all right? So we already talked about the dating of the writings. We talked about the dating of which these books were written. We have 27 different books, four actual bios. We talked about the original dating of them. Now, let's talk about how many copies we have of the ancient documents. Now, the reason that's important is because that enables us to check to see if it has changed over time. That enables us to see if the, because before the printing press, before the printing press, you know, people had to copy things by hand. So, when we have a lot of copies or a little bit of copies, we're able to gauge, okay, well, did people make mistakes? Where did they make mistakes? Do we even know? Now, when that's the question, then we don't know what things are really said, but let's see how the Bible stacks up um, to other things. So let's talk about some other famous works. So Julius Caesar, he has um, a writing called Gallic Wars, really popular. I'm sure you can learn about that in school, you know, if you take the right classes. We're, to this day, the amount of manuscripts that still survive, 251 manuscripts, okay? Tacitus, again, he's a legendary historian, and I already mentioned him earlier, 36 manuscripts. Plato's Tetralogies, excuse me, I mentioned um, Plato's Apology, but Plato's Tetralogies, we have 238 manuscripts. Now, that's a lot of manuscripts for something that was written so long ago, all the way up to the printing press. We have a whole lot of manuscripts for Plato's Tetralogies, 238. Now, the average ancient document has around 500 manuscripts, okay? The average ancient document <clears throat> has about 500 manuscripts. Some will be a little less. Some might be a little more or even, yeah, some might be a little less or a little more, but the average is going to be about 500 as far as ancient documents go, I'm sorry, ancient manuscripts are concerned and how many copies we still have that survive to this day. And the second best um, maintained piece of literature is called the Iliad, is by Homer. He's a Greek poet, okay? That is the second best um, maintained ancient piece of literature because we have uh, around, I think we have over 1,900 copies of manuscripts and fragments of manuscripts. Um, this is um, according to Grammy Bird. I may be mispronouncing his first name. But everything that I'm saying is verifiable. The reason why I'm mentioning names and titles and stuff like that is because you can just, you know, look this up. So the second best ancient 
piece of literature that we have as far as how well it's been maintained and how much it's been copied is the Iliad by Homer that has over 1900 copies. Okay. The number one, can you guess it's the new Testament by far? Remember y'all remember what I remember what I said. Um, I'll talk about Julius Caesar. Gallic Wars has 251 manuscripts. Tacitus, 36 manuscripts. Plato's Tetralogies, 238 manuscripts. And the average ancient document has 500 copies. The number two best copy uh, manuscript that we have to this day is the Iliad by Homer. The number one best, most copy that survived to this day, ancient piece of literature, is the New Testament. We have nearly... 6,000, nearly 6,000 manuscripts or fragments of manuscripts of the New Testament in the Greek text alone. The number two best kept <clears throat> thing that we have is the Iliad by Homer with over 1,900. We have 5,856, last I looked it up, 5,856 in the original Greek text alone. We have over 10,000 in Latin. Okay, in Armenian, in Armenian, uh, we have over 3,000. We have over 3,000. In total, in total, we have over 23,000 manuscripts or fragments of the New Testament text, y'all. I don't think you heard what I just said. I said that the number two best kept or best maintained, most copied ancient piece of literature is the Iliad by Homer. It has over 19 hundred the new testament we have over twenty three thousand in so many different languages again we have nearly six thousand in the original greek text the earliest the earliest is like dated 125 to 130 a.d we have over ten thousand in latin the earliest comes from 300 something i'm sorry AD 300 something, you know, it's not 300 AD, it's AD 300. So I got to get used to saying that correctly. Um, in Armenian, we have over 300, okay? And the earliest is dated around AD 862. In Ethiopian, we have over 600 um, manuscripts or fragments, okay? Of the New Testament in the Ethiopian language. And the earliest is dated around AD 550, or AD 600, somewhere around there. Now, that's one reason that, first of all, everything that I'm saying right now disproves the whole Christianity is the white man's religion thing. But if that's not enough, let's talk about the fact that we have biblical texts written in African languages that date, <laughs> that date around five, that, that, that date around AD 550. So if, Christi so if Christianity is the white man's religion and Africans didn't have access to Christianity before, uh, before the slave trade, why do we have biblical texts in African languages way before then? But again, that's for another show. So again, we have over 23,000 uh, manuscripts or fragments of the New Testament text, okay? And this is basically from the early second century all the way to the printing press. Because again, you know, people had to make copies of everything by hand. And this is how many that we have that survive to this day. Um, Dr. Daniel Wallace says that the average Greco-Roman author has about 15 manuscripts that still survive to this day. 
He also says that the average author is waiting over a thousand years before we get a single copy of a manuscript. The average author is waiting over a thousand years before we get a single copy of a manuscript. We have 27 books in the New Testament that were written, that were written. Look at how many copies of manuscripts that we have and how early they are. Jesus died 30, 33 AD. Every book was written within 67 years of his death. That, that makes Tiberius, Alexander the Great, and others pale in comparison as far as when their bios and famous writings about them um, you know, actually came out or got done. And then when we talk about how much it was copied, look at how much is copied. So we can't doubt. I don't, let me not say that. We should not doubt. I don't think we can reasonably doubt the New Testament text. I don't think we can reasonably doubt biblical text unless we just want to be skeptical. Because again, if we're going to doubt what's in the Bible, as far as has it changed over time, we literally need to doubt everything else because nothing else is this well attested and if you don't know who dr daniel wallace is he's the senior research professor of new testament studies um he's a professor at dallas theological seminary i've been fortunate enough to be a student of his uh he is awesome but anyway so we already talked about how many copies we have how many copies of manuscripts and fragments we have over 23,000 of the new Testament. Now, how early are these copies, manuscripts or fragments? Cause remember how early is it to Jesus's death um, to 30, 33 AD and how early is it to the original writing of it? Remember every book in the new Testament was written within 67 years of Jesus's death. And that's using the most liberal dating. So let's take a look. And some writings that we have. Codex Sinaiticus, okay? This has the entire New Testament. It's in the Greek language. Codex Sinaiticus is dated around AD 350. AD 350. It has the entire New Testament. So if anyone's saying that, you know, uh, that the Bible came out um, in, you know, in 1611 when, King, when the King James Bible was published, learn Greek. Read the code, read Codex Sinaiticus, and you can tell me how different it is. You know, you're going to see some variants, you're going to see some things, but you're not going to see anything drastic in any of this. So we can trust what the Bible actually says historically. <laughs> Dude, we have it an entire New Testament dated AD 350. Dated AD 350. Did you hear what I said about Alexander the Great? We got to wait 400 to 450 years to even get a bio, to even get a bio. That's when the bio was written. This isn't the earliest manuscript that we have. And we have a copy of the complete New Testament that's sooner than that. That is crazy. Wait, is it sooner than that, 30, 33? Yeah, that's sooner than 450 years. Come on. That is incredible stuff. Codex Sinaiticus is dated AD 350. We have Codex Vaticanus. This has most of the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's dated AD 300 to AD 325. Well, we have a papyri called P66. It has most of John's gospel. This is dated around AD 150 to AD 200. We have P75. This has Luke and John's gospel. It's dated AD 175 to 210. We also have P46. This has most of Paul's letters, okay? This is dated around AD 200. Again, this means 
of course, so we already talked about how early the New Testament was originally written. And I didn't go through all 27 books. So I don't got that much time. This video is already going to be about an hour. But something that was written, that was penned, it was copied around AD 200. Most of Paul's letters is in P46. Um, there's also something called the Chester Beatty Papyri. It's dated AD 200. It has, the, it has major portions of the New Testament. Uh, Codex Bizi is dated AD 450. This has the Gospels and Acts. P18 is dated AD 250 to 300 AD, and it has the Book of Revelation in it. Now, the earliest fragment or manuscript or copy of the New Testament that we have is something, saw, is something called P52. It's about the size. It's smaller than my phone. It's smaller than my phone. It's about the size of a credit card. Okay, it's a fragment of John's gospel. It is dated A.D. 125 to 130, most scholars. There's actually a scholar out there who dated it 97 A.D. But look, listen, y'all. We talked about the date of John's gospel. I believe it should be dated around, 60, uh, around A.D. 60. But there are people who dated in the 90s, A.D. 90. We have a copy of John's gospel that's dated A.D. 125 to A.D. 130. Historically speaking, it is mind-blowing to have a copy or a fragment of a copy that is so close to the original written in 2018. That is incredible. That is incredible. And I'm doing my I'm doing my best to articulate this stuff so that y'all get it. You know, I know I've been redundant a couple of times. I don't want to overdo it, but I do want y'all to understand how, how much this just doesn't happen, but we have that with the Bible. This is incredible. This is incredible. And if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, have confidence in what the Bible says It's historically speaking, you can have confidence historically. Now what I'm saying is a fact. These are facts. This is not my opinion. This is not Christian opinion. People who are scholars, but they are not believers, believe they know what I'm saying. What I'm saying is just a fact, right? In fact, when you hear atheists and people who aren't believers, but they're scholars and they argue for Jesus's existence, this is a lot of the reason why, because Jesus is so well attested. It's like, okay, well, why are all these people writing about him if he didn't exist? They'll go, well, you know, I'm not believing he's uh, God. I'm disputing that for these reasons. But to say that he didn't exist is just baloney. It's a malarkey. It's nonsense. It's cow poop. It's crazy. You know, I'm, I've been working on my cussing. You know what I'm saying? That's why I said cow poop. Praise the Lord. But yeah, man, like, like this is fascinating stuff. Even Dr. Bart Ehrman, um, he's an agnostic leaning towards atheism who, uh, you know, he has a lot of things online where he's trying to uh, debunk the Christian faith. He debates often you know, uh, attempting to debunk the Christian faith. He has a lot of presentations. And even he, and I'll put the link to a video um, when I post this on YouTube, where even he, I don't know where he was at, but someone who's also an atheist or they, he's an agnostic, okay? But he's leaning towards atheism. I don't want to miscategorize him. But 
there was a non-believer saying, I don't see any historical uh, evidence about Jesus. And he responds to them saying that, hey, you know, when you take the approach of mythicism saying Jesus didn't exist, you sound foolish to anybody who knows the stuff that Beta's talking about right now. All right. So, yeah, man, this is wonderful stuff, y'all. So I just encourage y'all to be really confident. Now, there is one thing that you should know, though, because 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 the New Testament was so well copied and it's copy It's are there any errors are there any errors it's actually a lot it's like oh hundred thousand i had a conversation with uh daniel wallace he hasn't said this like published it you know but he said in conversation that it's closer to five hundred thousand now of errors and variants wow but be not dismayed like because those errors right because the bible is inerrant which means it's without error anytime something may be slightly different it can count as an error certainly can count as a variant what do i mean i mean that if the original writer put um christ jesus but somebody copied it and they put jesus christ or they put the lord you know that counts as three different various variants and then if another uh version or manuscript just reads christ instead of christ jesus and then another one says jesus jesus but it doesn't say Jesus Christ, things like that. You see how the variants are already adding up. So, so, you know, mo I got to catch myself because um, I don't want to say the wrong thing because I'm speaking passionately. Most of the variants are like that. That's what they are. Okay. It's, you know, it's like uh, little things like that. Jesus Christ instead of Christ Jesus. You know, um, it's nothing to be concerned about. In fact, you know, uh, Dr. Daniel Wallace, you know, he actually demonstrated, I don't know Greek, so I'm just gonna tell you what somebody who knows Greek said, okay? Um, and I actually have the PDF where there are over a thousand ways to say John loves Mary in Greek, okay? It's over a thousand ways to say John loves Mary. Not saying John loves Mary a lot. Not saying John sure does love Mary. No, John loves Mary. It's over a thousand ways. So you can get a whole lot of variants when you use these ancient languages, particularly the Greek language. But we can also look at the various manuscripts that we have to see if anything has been changed. And we can confidently and boldly say that not one essential Christian doctrine has been affected by the variants that we have although it appears to be a high number. One of the things that Dr. Bart Ehrman likes to say, he says that there are more, I'm sorry, I hit my microphone. I hope it's not messing up. Um, he likes to say there are more variants than there are words in the New Testament. And that's actually true because New Testament has over 158,000 words in Greek in total. And you look at all 27 books and I already talked about how many variants that we have, but we also talked about how those variants, uh, you know, aren't, aren't really concerning, you know, and yeah, man. So, all right. So I want to wrap up here a little bit, but this is just, again, this is just to display how the scriptures that we have are historically reliable. All right. They're, they are historically reliable. 
Now, if you want to look up or verify any of the things um, that I talked about, um, I encourage you to go to csntm.org. That's C as in cat, S as in Sam, NT as in New Testament, M as in manuscript.org. Or you can also go to, um, I don't even know how to pronounce this website, but it's really helpful. It's tresmegistos.org. Okay. T T R I S M is in manuscript E G is in God I S T O S dot org slash L D A D. You can find a lot of this information. Uh, um, Josh McDowell and Sean McDowell uh, have a have a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict that they re-released in 2017. Has a lot of this information. Look up Dr. Daniel Wallace's work. In fact, you should look up Dr. Daniel Wallace. I, I referenced him a lot and also. Uh, reference another scholar who's a non-believer, Dr. Bart Ehrman. They've debated multiple times. I encourage you to look up Dr. Daniel Wallace versus Dr. Bart Ehrman, and they actually debate the reliability of the New Testament. It has a lot of wonderful information in there. I encourage you to listen to that debate. If you are um, immature in your faith, I don't encourage you to just um, listen to Bart Ehrman and, and just listen to his arguments, see how persuasive he is. Listen to some Christians who are scholars who debunk his arguments as well. Be fair, okay? Dr. Daniel Wallace has a great debate against him. That's awesome. Also, Dr. James White has a debate against Dr. Bart Ehrman that I think is awesome. But you can just look up the works of Dr. Daniel Wallace, Dr. James White, Frank Turek, Jim Warner Wallace, Sean McDowell, Josh McDowell, C.S. Lewis. It's a lot of really great people who you can look up and learn a lot from. Um, I've been blessed and fortunate to learn from some of the people who I just named um, a handful of them are my mentors and I'm very grateful for it. But it's really just about spreading this information, just about spreading this information. So again, the topic for today is merely discussing the historical reliability of the New Testament. The reason why this is important is, again, because people tend to argue that we don't know what it says. They say that it changed over time. We know for a fact that that's not true. But also, ah, oh, shucks, I lost, my, I lost my thought. What was I going to say? I was talking about why it's important. Oh, because this enables us to examine scripture. So maybe, that, maybe that'll be my next video where I'm actually examining some things in scripture of uh, the alleged contradictions and we can talk about how it's very unlikely that the resurrection is a made-up story. I think it's very unreasonable to say that it's a made-up story. I think it's very unreasonable. If you look, if you examine it with an open heart and you look at the historicity of what was going on back then, it's just, it's just impossible. You know, it's just really impossible. Well, it's unreasonable. Let me not say that because anything's possible. It's possible that, you know, you ain't even watching this, you know, uh, you know, you're dreaming right now. It's possible, but it's just not reasonable. Okay. And knowing the historical reliability of the new Testament is important. It's because when we, that's important because when we get into examining the scriptures and defending the faith that way, it's one might go, okay, well, how we know that these books ain't even, uh, you know, made up, refer back to this video, the historical reliability of the new Testament. All right. So I just wanted to cover a little bit of this. This video really could be like eight hours long if I wanted it to be. 
Um, I know I was redundant on a couple things. I hope I didn't perturb you. Sometimes I do that intentionally because it helps you remember. Sometimes I just do it because I feel like the point I'm making just isn't strong enough. Like, this is amazing. I hope y'all understand how amazingly kept New Testament scripture is. It's really fascinating stuff. This is coming from a former agnostic leaning towards atheism. I did not believe in God, okay? And I had a whole lot of questions. I still have a whole lot of questions. In fact, I have more questions than I have answers, you know, but because I searched for answers with an open heart, man, I found Jesus dying on a cross, dying on a cross, raising from the dead on the third day. Woo, my God, I love me some Jesus and Jesus loves you more than you could ever love anything else. So just give him a try. And if you're listening to this or you watching this and you're not a believer, you know, search for answers with an open heart. You'll find the truth because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. All right. And so you'll find him if you're looking with an open heart. All right. So that's the show for today, y'all. The historical reliability of the New Testament. And we out. Amen. Hey, this is Greg Kokel, author of Tactics, a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions and the Story of Reality, How the World Began, How It Ends, and Everything Important That Happens in Between. And you're listening to Is He a Real One?